Welcome to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Welcome to Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron. Hey, I'm Drew Jordan, and we are excited to bring you a fresh podcast today. Uh, don't forget, for all things Breaking Down Bits, it's all online, all the past episodes at BreakingDownBits.com, uh, so you can catch all the episodes that perhaps you missed uh, and get all the details on what's going on there. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, if you missed our last episode, hey, shit, might as well get into callbacks. Uh, we were with David Borey. Uh, great episode talking with David. Uh, what was your callback from that episode, Drew? I think one of the things that stuck with me was the fact that he said, uh, have a home club that you can be really comfortable at and that you can it can be risky. You can try things because if you've ever traveled and done mics or shows out of town and, and you're not really used to doing that, uh, it can it can feel a little un, you can feel a little unnerved, a little rattled, not quite as comfortable. But when you're at your home club, maybe someplace that you work multiple times a week, um, you, you get that sense of comfort, and you can you can try things and be comfortable trying new things and getting out of your comfort zone in a place like that. So if you don't have that, uh, find that find a club that uh, that you can work at multiple times a week. Maybe there's a mic there and a show there, some producers you can make friends with. Uh, we At the Riot, we both feel that we're there so much. Um, it's just nice to have a place where you can be a little risky and try new things and, and feel safe <laughs> in a sense doing it. Yeah. And I think David even talked about what we did, just build your own, you know, if you, if, especially as you're starting out, build your own mic, build your own show. DIY, um, or the alternative is go find a club and hang out there all the time, be seen, be known, uh, go to all the shows, even when you're not booked and, uh, you know, work your way in that way, but find a place where you can be comfortable. I couldn't agree more. Uh, real quick call out, man, just outside of the world of stand up, but it's all related, uh, is he had a podcast or he has a podcast for, uh, fantasy football. And, mm, yeah. you know, it's such a, it's not related to comedy anyway, but anything can be funny. The, the Holocaust can be funny, right? I mean, like, you know, it's a bad example, but uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's our job, right? And it's to bring funny to, and light to anything, but you can then cross pollinate with fans and people in, from different genres. And then that could pay off for you as far as ticket sales and things like that down the line. Um, so don't think you have to be in this scope of I, I'm in comedy, so I have to have a comedy podcast, maybe branch out. And actually, our guest today is a, is another great example of that. And we'll probably touch on that today. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Such a great idea. Like be there's a I mean, there's a lot of competition out there in podcasts for sure. And if yours cross pollinates the fans of another thing and comedy, it just widens per perhaps the scope of who your podcast could hit. Cause if you just make a comedy podcast about comedy, we're doing it right now. Um, <laughs> most of the time the audience and the audience for this podcast is mainly just comics, aspiring comics, people who want to, to become this. So it's kind of narrow and that's fine sometimes, but you can also uh, branch out and grow something uh, that, that kind of crosses the boundaries um, like, like David and, and like Adam does our guest today. 
Yeah, we're, we're pretty niche. Uh, let's go ahead. Uh, go ahead and check that out, though. Breakingdownbits.com. Check out David's episode. There's also 53 other episodes, I believe, that you can go back. The whole catalog's great. So go back and listen. Also, follow us and tag us on social media at Breaking Down Bits. Hit us up. DM us. Uh, you can email us at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com. Uh, any requests, guest requests, ideas, uh, fan, anything, fan mail, whatever. I don't know. Threats. <laughs> threats and fan <laughs> Just send it all. I just like to hear from you. Uh, you know, make sure, <laughs> know that people are out there listening. But uh, but yeah. And uh, one quick last thing with the riot I have to do that. We have a, a riot comedy festival and there is a national comedy contest associated with that. And we are accepting submissions right now. So if you have not already Get on. You can go through our website, theriothtx.com or riotcomedyfestival.com, either way, and submit for that contest. You want to do it. It is massive. Uh, it's in March of next year in Houston. Uh, the first part's going to be online. And then the uh, not an online contest, you submit your video, and we, we, we will be putting your videos against each other as a part of the preliminary rounds of the contest. And the final rounds, you're performing in front of hundreds of people, uh, industry judges, and a chance to win $2,500. Uh, and of course, be crowned the Riot Comedy and a comedy festival champion and a performer at the festival. Riothdx.com. Don't wait on that. The prices keep going up the more you wait. Yeah. Get in there. Excited for that one coming in March. Um, yeah. Time's ticking. So you know how it is with festivals. The earlier you get in, you save some money. And uh, we're more excited about watching the videos early than we are later. So. Yeah, we got a lot, of, a lot of videos to watch. So, uh, okay, cool. Ready? Let's do it, man. Want to bring in our guest? Let's go. A New York City native, Adam Hunter was a finalist on season six of Last Comic Standing. He was the last stand-up comedian to perform on Jay Leno's Tonight Show. He's appeared on Chelsea Lately, The Late Late Show, MTV, CBS, Comedy Central, and many more. His bi-weekly MMA Roasted podcast, where he skewers the world's top MMA fighters, has a dedicated fan base of more than 100,000 listeners per month. Adam performs in arenas, colleges, and and clubs all over the world. All right. Somewhere hey. in the middle of California, we have <laughs> Adam Hunter. How you doing, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. Great to have you on the on the pod today. Thanks for doing it. Thank you, man. Sorry that like the connection's all bad. I, I I'm doing my best. Uh, so, but it, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's all good. This is the first episode we've had with a car seat in the back. This is exciting. Oh, no problem, dude. Like, uh, this is uh, it's actually my dad's car seat because, uh, last week somebody crashed into my house. Whoa. I don't know if, uh, yeah, on the 4th of July, I was in my, um, garage doing laundry at like 1230 and I heard like, Arr! and I'm like, okay, that sounds like it's close. And then boom, and like it hit my garage. So I, I tell my wife, like, we've, we've been hit, we've been hit. And then I, I, I you know, like I'm in Afghanistan or something. And then I, I run outside and this guy's car is in the middle of my yard, totaled my car, ran into my garage. And the guy like runs away. I'm like, are you okay? He's like, I'm okay. He takes off. And then the guy had like fireworks and a tank of gas in his car, which would have been the best, you know, fireworks. <laughs> Whoa. Going off. <laughs> and uh yeah that's like so now my my car's totaled and the garage oh. is messed up and uh, uh this is a uh, rental car man 
I'm sorry to hear that. That is uh, quite a mess, man. Wow. Happy 4th of July to you, huh? <laughs> yeah. 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 Amazing. Amazing. So, how are you guys doing? Better than that. Uh, <laughs> better, better than that. Uh, no, we're, we're good, man. We're, we're so happy to have you. The, uh, you know, of course, we've got you on the right, you know, coming down here to Houston this weekend. And this is a good way for us to connect with you, connect with our fans of the show and people from across the country, comics and aspiring comics. And uh, one of the ways that we like to get started is just learn a little bit about your career. Of course, I was a, I was a big fan of Last Comic Standing. I remember when you were on the show. And, and so that's where I got acquainted with you. So I've, I've known and followed you ever since. Uh, but start wherever you'd like. Start from the very beginning uh, and just maybe talk about some of the breaks you've had along the way uh, in the context of any comic that's that's trying to make it out there. Well, I started when I was in college. Um, I actually like I was a big wrestler in high school. I, like I won the the New England uh, Class A championships like four years in a row, and I wrestled in college. And then I, I I just got burned out. I quit the team, and I was like, what do I do now? I put so much into it, so I thought maybe I'll get my own talk show. So I went down and like pretended to learn the, the, the stuff. It was called D's Nuts, and people could call in. And uh, at my, my my opening show, I like. I had my wrestling team and it was like so much fun. But everyone started calling in from their dorms and like making fun of me. They're like, are you Vanilla Ice or Corey Haim? Cause it was like uncensored. And then this girl came on and she's like, everyone's gonna talk smack about me. And there's a guy named Seth that needs to get his ass to the gym. Just making fun of this guy in the soccer team. And everyone started calling in about her. Anyway, long story short, she ends up going back to her dorm and, they, and then sues the, the school for $20 million. Sues me for 20 million. It goes to the Supreme Court of Brooklyn. They throw it out. Uh, but my but my dad was like, you've been in college for two weeks. And can you just go to class like everyone else? But after that, I was like, this is the most fun thing I've done in my life. I want to become a talk show host. So I'm like, how do I do that? So I'm like, well, maybe I'll become a comic. I noticed that all the talk show hosts were comics. So I, uh, I took a couple acting classes in New York. And then I started doing I went to a couple open mics. Took a couple comedy courses. This is like in like 1999. Um, and then I just fell in love with stand-up comedy. I was doing comedy anywhere. I was doing laundromats, supermarkets, donut shops. I was actually on a show called True Life, I'm a Comic, which was on MTV. Oh, and yeah. they had me doing comedy at a supermarket, which is like, we had like a built-in homeless audience. Um, <laughs> and then I actually, we used to do the Krispy Kreme donut shop, which is good because people would come in for free donuts. But then someone threw a donut at one of the comics and then that got canceled. Um, but, and then I started like, I got passed at like one club, which is called Gladys's. She's like, congratulations. You're really funny. Uh, you can, you can now do the weekends. You know, you don't have to bring anybody. Cause I was bringing, I was doing bringer shows, which I fucking hated. And then she gave me a stack of flyers and she's like, you're a barker now, which I thought was like, uh. I thought was the greatest thing ever was to give out flyers in Times Square. And I was like the best barker. Cause I was like 21. And uh, I lived like in Times Square, so all these girls would come and come to the shows, and then we'd have the after ha party at my place, which was just considered of me and like the girls. Um, and then uh, and that was awesome. But it was like we actually like looking back, there were some really good barkers. Like Melissa Roush was my like walker. She's on like The Big Bang Theory, and now and oh, like nice. other people like like Dave Rubin and we opened up a comedy club. Dave Rubin, who like is uh, you know now opening up for like uh, what's his name. Um, the Ben Shapiro. Um, but so then um, I started doing comedy. Uh, like, uh, and then I was like doing, I was barking for like four or five years. And eventually I kind of got burned out of barking because like 
it was just freezing in New York City. People would just come into the club because it was so cold. Or I would get spit on by people. Or, you know, I would see people I went to college with that were all dressed up. They were going to, like, you know, Broadway shows. They're like, how's your career going? I'm like, great. Come to Hamburger Harry's, you know, down the block. That was where the club was. And then I, I like, won a contest. Like, funniest comic in New York. But it was a rig contest. Like, my manager at the time owned the comedy club. I didn't have to even enter it, to be honest. Um, I think I, I did the finals. I, I almost, during the speech, was like, I'm, I don't deserve to be on this. this. I didn't actually win this. But I was like, fuck it. I've, already, I, I've lost a lot of rig contests, too. So then they flew me out to L.A. Um, and the spot was, like, a big a big spot at the improv. So I went on like last at the improv and uh, this guy, Anthony Clark, who had a show called Yes Dear, was like, yeah, man, you're really funny. And you know, I think you should open for me and uh, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, that'd be awesome. You know, like, um, and, I, and so then I, I went back to LA and I was, uh, I, was a, I was a male stripper in a play, like a Tony and Tita's wedding called at the Culture Club, which was like an eighties club at the time. Um, and I had to wear a pink, a pink headband and had glitter all over me. I was actually kind of a fun job because I gave you a little laugh to the girls. You got photos? Yeah, yeah. So, you got photos? Yeah, uh, probably somewhere. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, my wife doesn't like the photos. So then I, 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 moved out to, I moved out to LA with like, and um, I quickly was like, you know, in New York, you get like 10, 12 spots. Uh, LA, you get like 12 spots a month, you know, if you're lucky. So I opened up my own comedy room. I walked around uh, I learned what I'd learned in New York, barking, and I opened up a club right by UCLA, and I walked around to all the college kids and pretended that there was a comedy club. I'm like, yeah, we got Chris Rock, and, and I sold tickets to a club that didn't exist, basically. Um, and then I, it was because I figured, well, I need a spot where people don't have to actually like leave their cars, so they, they could just walk to. It's a place called Brewing Co., the West, the West Side Brewing Company, and it was upstairs. And um, I got, I had like me and Theo Vaughn walked to, I had Theo do it because he was on road rules, went to all the sorority houses with Theo. And because uh, every Monday anyone could make an announcement, even if you didn't go to the school, the, the, they didn't realize we didn't go to the school. And then they <laughs> all got dressed up. And I'm like, hey, tonight we got a show, blah, blah, blah. And these girls hated me because I went there every Monday to promote the show. But I knew if we had like 10 or 15 hot sorority girls, I'd get all the good comics, which exactly what happened within like two months i had the way brothers performing there and dane cook and jeff ross and um all these people like you know delia before he was delia and whitney cummings when she was starting out and i and i ran like the hottest club and then uh that led to an audition at last comic standing which the season you had was actually the third season i was i auditioned for because the second season i, I they're like hey you're going to hollywood you made it and I'm crying on camera and I'm calling my parents and then they're like, uh, they tell me, oh, you're not on the show anymore. I'm like, but I didn't get to go to Hollywood. They're like, well, just because we pick you doesn't mean you're actually on the show. I'm like, Oof. but the judges actually passed me. They're like, well, too bad. And then that happened again the next year and then the next year. And then finally, uh, I, I just like, kind of went off on everybody and I called up the producers and like cursed them out. And um, I was like, Fuck it. Then they brought me back on. They're like, okay, you're on again. Even though we told you you're not on the show, tomorrow you're going to Vegas. And I decided I'd be like the villain on the show. So that's the only way they're going to get through. So then I was like, you know, I'm the greatest comic on the show. I kind of was a dick, to be honest. But I knew that that would get me through. And and they did. And then once I got to the house, um, anytime they interviewed me, I would bring it back to that I work with kids who had cancer. It did. That way they couldn't, like, edit it. They'd be like, oh, so why are you going to win? I'm like, well, because 
I used to work at the Ronald McDonald House for kids that had cancer. Like every question, I be working with kids that had cancer. Like, but then they they fucking stopped. They stopped interviewing me. They stopped feeding me too, to be honest. Um, but nobody wanted to go against me, so I got pushed to the finals. But people forgot I was on the show. That's how little screen time I got. Um, but uh, that after that, I was I was featuring. I was like staying in my car. I was like you know driving from. I thought that LA, I thought San Diego was on the way to New Mexico. So I would drive from like LA to San Diego to New Mexico from Tuesday to Wednesday and sleep in my car and just break even. And, you know, I mean, there were so many years I had to like, you know, eat by trying to find money in my couch or yada, yada. Uh, but then, you know, eventually like I got on the tonight show a couple times and started headlining. And, uh, now it's like 20 something years into it. And, Married with a little daughter and uh, just fucking still grinding away. I still run a room in, in LA, you know, but uh, things are a lot better. Wow, that's a lot of hustle. That's that's a yeah. that's a that's a ton of hustle. I you don't hear. I mean, you hear about comics starting their own room and having their own show and producing some shows, but it sounds like you really grinded a little harder and worked to really not just create a place for you to do comedy, but like a, a successful spot for people to come enjoy comedy as well. Yeah, I mean, that, I did that. Even now, I run like the Dime, which is like a spot where like we have like Chappelle show up where you can just run new stuff because it's like. In LA, you don't want to have like there's no workout rooms in LA, like and you don't want to be seen bombing. People remember that you bomb. Especially, it's not as bad as it used to be. It used to be like if you had a bad set, people would talk about it. You know, now it's like you have a bad set. It doesn't matter if you have TikTok followers. It doesn't give no one gives a fuck. You know, but yeah. it used to be like be like really mean something. And uh, so I needed a spot where I could like fail. You know, so mm -hmm. I, I started this room with whole 15 people. You know, and that that way it's like I don't have to. Cause the hardest part is getting people to actually show up. But I yeah. mean, it's just, um, I remember even like on last comic standing, I remember being on the show and, uh, you know, I, I had figured out that they were going to get Eliza to win because she was getting picked every week and it just seemed like they were, they never had a girl win, yada, yada. And she was doing well. Um, but I was more worried about like I had checks bouncing while I, I just wanted to make it the next episode. Cause I knew I would get a thousand dollars for the episode. Like yeah. I wasn't even worried because while I was on the show, I had checks bouncing while I'm on the show. I wasn't home to pay, the, you know, and I was negative. I was negative. You know, I was, I had negative a thousand dollars in my account. I remember doing a show on the E channel and they picked me up in a limo to get to the hotel, but I didn't have a working credit card to get to check into the hotel. You, you know, like I remember, so it's, it's just, but I think that's like, I'm not saying you have to go through that, you know, but I, I know that like, there are so many times where like, you know, like I'm opening up for Russell Peters August 13th at the Microsoft Theater, you know, but I know like in the back of my head, it's like, you know, I know I deserve to be there because of all the shitty fucking gigs that I've done, you know, like I've had people like chase me off the stage or throw drinks at me or throw menus at me or, you know, or, or cut the mic on me, you know, or, you know, five minutes in to tell I remember going out uh, doing a gig and I did a gig in uh, Tennessee and the, it was a college gig and the booker cash the booker stole my check so I had to fly out there and then I drove five hours to get the check in the opposite direction I pick up a check and it was a bounce check so I go to cash it at the bank they're like this is a, this is not good they almost threatened to arrest me then I get to the college 
and the lady was like, and it's a Bible college, which of course they didn't tell me. And all the kids <laughs> are like getting credit. They're getting credit for like, for, for Bible study, just to be at the I'm at my show, which is not what you want to get. So then the lady, I'm like, listen, she's like, yeah, I want you to be crystal clean. I'm like, I go, if it's too dirty, just give me a throat slash. Within three minutes, she's going, I hadn't got to my opening joke. And she was like, so, so then I get off stage and she makes a beeline to me. And I go, listen, this check is bounced. Like, like I didn't have to be here and you would have gotten in trouble. And thank God that happened because then her, and her husband was laughing. He was in the army because he had an army shirt. So that's what I know. So that, that, that helped me, you know. Um, but it was one of those things where like, you know, <laughs> it, it's, just a, it's just like. It's a crazy it's business. Like when I, when I, Dude, when I when I used to wrestle in college, you know, my coach used to tell me if you're not thinking about quitting, you're not working hard enough. And uh, and I think the same goes for stand-up comedy at, at like certain levels, you know, like like you know, if you're not thinking about going, like you know, there, there have been plenty of times I'm like, man, like I have one year left of college, I could just become a, a gym teacher, or I'll go into the real estate, whatever it is. But then I know that like eventually, I would not be fulfilled. I mean, there's nothing better than like people coming up to you and being like, look, I haven't laughed in a year. You know, my, my wife died of cancer, my this, that, you know, I just found out this happened. I just found out I've been depressed. You brought me out of my depression. Like, like I, this is the first time I've laughed in so long. Like I can't tell you. And, and I know that like I flew to England one time and I got like a hundred emails from the, from the booker. Well, one of the, one of the emails said, when you get here, don't say you're here for a comedy show. Of course, that wasn't one of the ones that I opened up, right? So I get there. They're like, well, what are you here for? I'm here for a comedy show. So I get detained and thrown in like, it's me and a bunch of au pairs that, that were illegal. I, I get held <laughs> no, and then I get sent back and they, they tear my passport and sent back. But I remember being in the detention center and I know I'm not getting paid, knowing I just flew to England um, and watching like, I think it was like Fletch was on and I remember just <laughs> laughing so hard to Fletch. Uh, <laughs> But I remember that brought me out of however bad I was feeling and, and knowing that like as a comic, that's the service we're giving to other people is like just amazing, you know, yeah. it's annoying. And then most people, they go to their job, like you look at like traffic cops, you know, people go fuck you and, you know, or, or, or whatever, you know, people, no matter people do their job and then they get people to hate, you know, accountants, you know, nobody really thanks accountants, you know, but like c comedy is like a job where at the end people want to take your picture, you know, they want your autograph, they, they, they want to tell you how much you helped them. Unless you're like, you know, other comments for people to tell you how much you suck and then that's after you get to a certain level. But but normally like at the show, people tell you how, how much they enjoy you. And that's, to me, that's like part of the payment, if not most of the payment. Yeah, super rewarding, uh, as crazy as it is sometimes. Uh... Uh, you can, you feel like you, you, you make anytime you feel like, I'm sure you felt like this with the Ronald McDonald stuff, like nothing feels better than when you feel like you've really made an impact. You've really made someone's day better. And strangely enough, dick jokes can do that, uh, sometimes for people. And, uh, it's a crazy weird thing that we do, but it really does help people. Um, just, I know there's a ton of stuff we want to get into, but just to circle back really fast, um, for comics who are trying to promote shows, something that I know a lot of people struggle with. I just moved to New York. I just got here a couple weeks ago 
And I'm noticing that even some of the, uh, the clubs that I go to, when I go pop in and take a look in the room, half filled, quarter filled, um, it's, a, it's a competitive landscape. What's the best way to promote and get butts in seats for, your, for a comedy show if, you, if it's something you've created? You know, I, I hate to say this because, it, but like, like from what I do is I just, if, I, if I'm, you know, going to a certain spot um, and, the, and the club gives me comps, you know, that's a big deal. You know, if the club gives me comps, I'll just DM people that like are in that spot. Like I, you know, I just DM people and go, hey, you know, I'm doing the show near you. It's like, it's like they're a friend of a friend or like I'll go to see who, who's tagged. It's like annoying, you know, but people are like super happy. And then, you know, you get I get an extra 100, 200 people for that week um, that show up. And, and like the club's super happy because it wasn't going to be sold out anyway sometimes. But I know that like if, if a club gives you comps, that's the way to do it. Be like, hey, um, hey, what's going on? I'm, I'm going to be at your club, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'd love for you to come, make you laugh. Do it like a super polite way. You know, if they're, if they're out of town, you know, make, make sure that they say no. Like, sorry, I'm busy. Get like, oh, okay, thanks for responding. So you're not just an asshole, like telemarketer, you know. But that, <laughs> right. that's that's the way to, that's the way I do it. Um, it's time consuming. So you just got to like, if you can do something else while doing that, you know, like if you're like Tread, sitting treadmill in a car or something, driving. yeah, or taking a shit, or whatever it is, but like it's another activity, you know. So uh, even if I'm at a club, you know, and like I'm at a club in the back, and I'm on in an hour, hour and a half or something, I'll just for that hour just look up like oh, I'm going to Phoenix next week. People in Phoenix. Uh, that I know that like our friend, you know, go to a gym that like is a gym that I'm, you know, and then I go, Hey, Bob, what's going on? You know, Hey, and then make a personal, Hey, Steven, I'm going to be able to add your club. That, that's the way that I do it. You know, there's probably the best way to do it is become so famous that you could just put a post on and people show up, but, um, or, you know, that's the 1% of the 1%, you know? You're hundred percent right. That so. the personalization, uh, you know, reaching out to people directly in a, in a polite way, uh, and, and it's a numbers game too. Reach it, you even said like acquaintances, you know, people that aren't even necessarily friends, friends of friends, you know, widen your net, but take that time to invest because nobody on this podcast is in the top 1% of 1%. A lot of people who are listening aren't either. Uh, and, uh, one thing you can do as a promoter is you can make it easy for people you've booked on your shows to share. Does that make sense? True. So yeah, like, for sure. Like you, for example, it's, this is the simplest example, but you, uh, if you post something on Instagram, you obviously tag them. Uh, I like to not only tag them, but also put their, uh, the link to go get tickets, the direct link in that post. So then they can easily reshare it, repost it, whatever. And then people can go out and get those tickets. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we did early on to locate, uh, comedy fans, was uh, like we have a local improv in Houston. So we just went through, saw the people. You can just click on their Instagram, who's following this club. And we just went through that list. And anyone who wasn't private and who could accept uh, a DM, we, I, you know, crafted a little DM with our, our link in it and said, Hey, looks like you like comedy. We have a comedy show here in Houston. Uh, this is what's coming up this weekend. We'd love to have you. And sure, it was met with a ton of complete uh, apathy and rejection. But 
some people said yes and some people found out about us that way and it's just it's, it is a time consuming thing if you got to take a dump or run on the treadmill or it, you, you, and Brian you're like the the hardest uh, grinder on on that kind of stuff uh no grinder joke intended <laughs> um just yeah, to get out there and push through and just like take the time it's it's going to it pays off at the end We've actually expanded our search. So, you know, uh, at some point the, there's only so many followers and photos that you can, you can, uh, use on the comedy club pages. You know, it's just a finite amount of people who, who are posting stuff. So we've, we've broadened it to just anybody in the geographical area of our club that are out doing things. Cause that's what, that's what we are. We're right. just, in, we are comedy is another form of entertainment mm-hmm. that competes with theater, sports, movies, anything you can do with your disposable income on, on any, on a weekend night or weekday night. And yeah. so you can hit up any business that's that bars, restaurants. Uh, I like to hit up Minute Maid Park. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's the big baseball park here in Houston, just wherever people are. And, uh, and we do this very simply. This is an industry trick, but I can give you the playbook. You're not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> reach out to people and just be like, look, do you like, do you love stand up comedy? Or I'll, I'll even put, I'll put I'll, just a DM random people you seem fun because they're out doing fun stuff, comma, name, and their name. I always put their name to personalize it like Adam talked about. Do you love stand-up comedy? And uh, and then just let that sit. And 10% of the time they get back to you, you start dialogue, you invite them to the show, offer them a discount, whatever. Uh, and sometimes they come. Yeah, it really is a little a little grindy. It's out there. It's kind of like on the street. And I've being here in New York for two weeks, I've already ran into people on the street Handing out flyers, working it. Um, but yeah, that's that. It takes a lot of effort to uh, to uh, and time to promote those shows. And the thing, and you're right, most people won't do it. But people, obviously, like Adam, uh, who are tenacious and willing to like fight for the opportunities, they, they, you make it happen. Um, to move forward, Adam, let's let's get into uh, writing just a touch uh, before we keep moving. But we always ask people just an open-ended question: um, How does Adam Hunter write comedy? Um, it's like two different ways. I mean, some people just journal, like whatever's on my mind, journaling, and then that's just sometimes like it just that becomes like a, just a huge chunk of ice, and I could just chip away, see if there's something there. Uh, that's what I used to write. A lot of times now, it's just I come up with conversations. I'm talking to somebody, and I just write it down on my phone. Yeah. And then I go and then I go back to it. Um, but that I have to be careful with that. Sometimes I'll just write down. I'll abbreviate the thought, and then I go back and go, what what was I trying to say here right now? <laughs> um, but the best way is just to kind of. But that's also a decent way. And then I just, you know, I have like 230 pages of jokes. Uh, and I would say out of that, like 60 of those pages are just like tight. And then I just have all these random thoughts throughout the last 10 years. And I, sometimes I'll just pick a randomly, just pick a page and go back to it and see what's there, you know, like, because a lot of it is like what I was feeling at the time and it wasn't funny then, but I could kind of make it funny now or something happened with a celebrity that like is actually better appropriate for like what's going on right now. And so yeah. it's really that, I mean, sometimes like there, there's always like the, Oh, what's what happened in TMZ today? And then you just write a one liner there or whatever. But you know, a lot of it is now that I have a kid, 
it's I don't want to say the jokes write itself because they don't write itself, but like the premise writes itself and then I have to punch it up, you know? So it's not exactly like, oh, I could just go up there and say what happened because then people was just like, okay, that just that just happened, you know? But at the yeah. same time, I mean, somebody driving into my house last week, you know, <laughs> that, that led to like, you know, a bunch of jokes there, you know? Um, so it's... Uh, yeah, you'd, a lot of you'd, that, be a, you know? you'd be a terrible comic if someone drove into your house and there wasn't a bit about it. <laughs> that would be yeah, that I would mean, be so sad. Yeah, there's a bit. I mean, there's a DoorDash bit right there. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, followed by like the best, you know, the best fireworks display ever. Followed by, I tell people that story. They're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it! You have a house." You know, so there's like there's like three jokes there. You know, and then it's just it's just a matter of like just taking the time and not getting distracted by the internet. You know, that's, yeah. it's like just mm. not getting this because I could rationalize, Oh, I go on world star. I'll be, you know, or I go on this thing and I'll get, or I'll go on there. But it's really just a matter of just taking the time to write, you know, if I, my, my, you know, if I spend an hour, it's a lot easier on the road or when I work cruise ships, for example, like you have all day, you know, yeah. there's like literally three, four hours a day. It's harder when you got your home, you got a wife and kid, and and you your baby. And my daughter's like, "Daddy, play with me, play with me," you know. And I'm fighting with that, you know. But at the same time, it's like, uh, you know, that's this is my job, you know. I mean, there's nothing worse than having someone come see you a couple months later. And you're doing the same act. Mm. To me, at least, I feel like I'm ripping them off, you know. Like, um, I, you know, I want people that go, "Oh my God, I can't believe how much new stuff you have." Like. And, and to me, even if I try a new joke and it bombs, obviously it's not as good as trying a new joke and it working, but it's better than not trying a new joke. Like to, yeah. me, the, to me, it's just whether or not I, I try the joke. If I try the joke, it's, it's like a win, you know? And if, I, if it, if it uh, it's like double, you know? If the joke works, <laughs> it's a home run, but I have to try it. I'm just, I'm a happier person. And then the rest of my jokes are, are better because I tried that joke. So I'm happier delivering Ooh. the other jokes, you know? So the rest of the set's better because yeah. I'm now happy that I got through that, you know? Um, so I feel like, uh, I feel like, and there's always like, I don't know about you, but as a comic, you, you're always worried that like, you've written your best jokes. Your best yeah. jokes are behind you. Like, yeah. what if I can't write a new joke? So the fact when you write a joke and it works, you're like, oh my god, it's. <laughs> it is. That's a kind of a, it's kind of a strange uh, relief. Now, when it, I was going to ask, when it comes to your writing, so you mentioned like the gasoline and the fire and the fireworks in the car. Um, when it comes to joke writing, do you hold on to the truth very tightly, or could that joke have an ending where the the gasoline and the fireworks do ignite? And how do you handle like truth versus kind of like creating? Uh, I think it depends on the joke, you know, like it depends on the joke. I mean, sometimes like the joke, I used to joke about, joke about like my wife wanted to go to the bar or my ex, well, we used to always want to go to the bar with her, you know, I'm like, that's, you don't adopt the puppy and then bring it back to the pound, you know? So that's just like, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's just like, a, it's not even really a joke, but it, it gets a laugh, you know, it's sort of like, so there's, there's that, that's all truth, you know, but then there's like a joke of like my mom, you know, did a lot of cocaine when she was pregnant with me. I was born in two months. I weighed seven grams. Like that's obviously I wasn't born in two months. <laughs> weighed seven grams, you know. So it depends on the joke, you know. Um, but I love it when the joke starts truthful, starts truthful, and then it just gets more and more ridiculous without it getting corny. 
I mean, some people can can be that guy. Like they could, like Dane Cook used to be able to take a premise and just create a whole fucking world around it. I mm-hmm. I, I can't go too far away because then it just I feel like I'm. It's now it's like science fiction, you know. Yeah. So, um, but it's like I used to do a joke, you know, you know, I I like knew my wife was trouble because the first time I fingered her, I pulled out a red flag. You know, like I didn't pull out a red flag, but it's just a quick, you know, yeah. just a quick. So it really depends on the joke, you know. Um, uh, some people try to label me as a one-liner comic, and I kind of resent that because I just like I don't like I don't like to be put in like a box. You know, I do a lot of like set-up punchline jokes, but I think that's also that's just my that's just my my like style. You know, I'm more of look. I used to like I, I like old-school rap better than mumble rap. You know, um. And, any day of the week you send me you know, give me Wu-Tang Clan or give me Tribe Called Quest or give me the Beastie Boys over you know I mean the baby's pretty good but like uh, you know <laughs> a little way a bad example but whatever so um, like I'm sort of a throwback comic but that but that like when, when people give me like a bum bum like they think they're insulting me I'm now I'm taking it as a compliment I think that I think comics have gotten away from punchlines and, and they got into like TED talks or like speeches, you know, or like here's they got into applause, and then people are are like mistaking applause for laughter. For and sure. While I do think there's, it's great to get an applause. Like, I, I, I've never like people. I don't think people want to go to comedy clubs to become a better person. You know, um, <laughs> I just think people want to go to comedy clubs to laugh. You know, yeah. and, you know if you become a great person because of it, great, that's awesome. You force you to think. You know, I think. I mean, look, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I was like Chris Rock, bring the pain, you know, talking about, uh, you know, some of the things he says, I still think to this day, it's like, great. If you can make points, amazing. But I just, I just think that comics have gone into this weird, like, oh, I'll just make a speech or, and, uh, and get an applause and that's as good as the laughter. And I'm like, uh, okay, but did anyone really laugh? You know, it's like, I, I just think a lot of people can do that. A lot of people can't get laughs. You know? Yeah, we we live in a culture right now where we want to be, we want people to agree with our points of view. I guess you see it in social media, and you want to be on the right side of whatever's happening. And so, you might get up and say something about abortion right now, just for people to clap along and go, "Yay, women's rights!" But it's not really comedy. No, no. And to me, it's like I like it better when it's the right point of view, but for the wrong reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> like, like, like for example, like I do a joke about, uh, you know, like transgenders in high school female sports. I'm like, I coach wrestling, you know, and, I, and I, as a coach, if somebody's willing to get a sex change to go to metal, that's the kind of commitment I'm looking for. <laughs> so, it's like I just want to win, you know, like, 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 fuck. The, so to me, it's like when someone could do that, you know, um, make make the right point, and it's for the wrong reason. It's way funnier, you know, as long as it's yeah. funny. Uh, you know, because um, then I'm like, oh shit, that's a hilarious, that's a hilarious point. You know, um, like Jim Norton is a master at that. And certain comics are just masters of like, man, you're like, that's hilarious. And even like Chappelle, where it's like, holy shit, I didn't think of that angle. Then I then I get mad. You know, um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, Jezelnik is great at that, like that misdirection where you know, I, I like watch him and I. You know, sometimes like I watch a comic and I get mad because I'm like, why is the crowd laughing at this? And, and you know, why, like, why is this happening? And like, you know, it's like even in LA, a comic goes up there and just tells you his credits for ten minutes. And like, 
dude, this is just an IMDb set. Like, like, like <laughs> I don't have to, why, like, you're just going up there and telling everyone how, like, people are applauding. I'm like, great, but this has nothing to do with comedy, you know? Um, but, so, like, but then there's other times I, I don't get mad, but I get mad because I'm like, fuck, I got, I have a lot of work to do. You know, I get inspired and, it, and I, get, I get, like, competitive. I watched Jeselnik the other day and I was like, holy shit, man, like, fuck, I got to work on my jokes, you know? And uh, that's the best kind of, and I'm saying that as like a compliment, you know, I'm not saying that to be a dick or, you know, but there are certain people I'm like, fuck, like, unfortunately, I don't, I don't know if the internet is making it or whatever, but I think people are just taking a, I, th- I think people, you know, there was something to be said about like, when I, when I started doing comedy and you get to like, you know, send in a VHS set, yeah. you know, and then you had to, you know, annoy the booker to the point where he would finally give you a feature set and then you would lose money on the thing, but then you would, you know, hone your craft for fucking 10, 15 years and 20 years. And then finally, like, I think that some comics got lazy because they were doing the same set over and over again. And, um, and there wasn't the internet. So it's like, now it's like people are writing more, which is great. It's forcing you to write more. But at the same time, there's like, you know, it's like, I think, uh, like Ellen DeGeneres said, like her first hour, her first hour was the best hour because it took her 13 years to write it. Her second hour, she had six months. So yeah. it was it's like, you know, Steve Martin said his, his Tonight Show has kept getting worse because by the 17th time he's doing jokes that either aren't polished enough or they're not, they're not ready enough or, or they're, they're, they're rushed or, or you're going to the bottom of your barrel. You're looking for jokes that you threw away to put in there. Um, and I think a lot of times now with like the internet, it's like people are just, they're just selling, they're just, they're just premises. Like, the, like the punchline's not a bad, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, who gives a fuck? Cause none of that means anything. It's really my, it's really me. I have to work on me. Like, like t- looking at other people is going to do nothing for me. It's going to do nothing. It's just going to either going to, either I'm going to get upset, annoyed or whatever. It's like, you have to have like Sinbad's like, you know, you have to have blinders on. He's like, the, the reason they give blinders to horses so that they can't see the other horses running, you know, and that's kind of what you have to do as a comic. And he also is like, you're funniest when you're riding the bus, you know, um, and that's being hungry is like, it's huge. And, you know, you see that with comedy and I hate to say it like, uh, but like when Adam Sandler first came out, it, you know, his movies had no budget and they were amazing. Like, like the wedding singer, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, like those all hold up. And then all of a sudden, he had like, he made money, and they started giving him like millions and millions and millions of dollars, and uh, they started the like movies got worse. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe you had more people that had whatever, but I mean, they almost got unwatchable. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I think that when you're young and hungry, it's like that's probably like when you're the best. I mean, the probably there's a reason Eddie Murphy couldn't, you know keep doing comedy because it's like uh or you know like old old dang like dane cook i remember watching dane cook people shut on dane cook all they want nobody could hold a candle to dane cook when he was in like his prime you know uh i remember him doing i remember going to la i went to the comedy store i went to the open mic the guy yelled at me because i had my notebook out which i'm like trust me i'm not stealing these jokes i was looking at my own jokes whatever there was like one person there he was being heckled by another comic I almost got on a fucking plane and went home because I'm like, what did I move to New York for? I went across the street to this place called Dublin's and there was like 
300 of the hottest Orange County girls I've ever seen in my life, all wearing that to nothing. And Dane Cook is on stage doing an hour and 20 minutes and fucking murdering like, like you've never seen. Like just, it was insane. And I, my jaw dropped because I had never seen that type of physical comedy before. Mm-hmm. And I never seen a dude crush like he did. And, uh, you know. To this day? To this day, you haven't seen that? I mean, you know, it's like sometimes when you're younger, like you think, think people are better than they are. Yeah, because you haven't seen, You know, you haven't seen it. Um, but I've never seen anyone get this type of reaction. Like the rock star, you know, of it. He was, he was a rock star. I never saw anybody crush harder than Jim Norton when he was at the comedy. I used to go to the comedy cellar. And I go there, and then afterwards we'd all play basketball. It'd be me, Patrice, Colin Quinn, Rich Voss, Jim Norton, uh, and they called me Open Mike. That was my nickname. And I was like, <laughs> Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart was amazing at basketball. The kid could have played like D three basketball easily. Uh, it was before, and Kevin Hart had like nine minutes of jokes at the time. Patrice was really good. He was huge. You couldn't guard him. Uh, and uh, I remember there was like like a like a gang there or something uh, before we got, it was two in the morning we used to play. And I remember, what's his name saying? Steve Marshall, a very funny comic going, man, what, what's going to happen if uh, they try to fight us? What are we going to do? Whip, whip out our tape recorders, right? <laughs> and then Jim Norton goes, press play, they'll run. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was on, he was doing the, at the comedy cellar. I think he was still living in Staten Island with his mom or something. And he was so angry and so pissed off and nobody knew who the guy was, and he would just murder. It was like bombs would go off at the comedy cellar. Uh, and David Tell was another guy where people, it wasn't just that they would laugh, it was like, it was laugh, then it was like, can't believe what he just said, laugh again, and look around, make sure people aren't looking at me laughing, and then laugh again. <laughs> it was like, he was getting three laughs to every joke. and. Uh, <laughs> It was amazing. It was that that was a time where the comedy seller, there was no TV. It was TV credits were kind of important, but if you didn't bring it, like the crowd would let you know. And no matter how good you were, the first minute or, or two minutes, the guy would bomb on stage because uh, they couldn't follow the energy of the last comment. Um, and that was when I first started studying comedy and realizing like how important writing was. Because I didn't realize when people's jokes started and when they stopped. Like, that's how tagged up the jokes were. It was like, oh, shit, okay. Set up, punch, punch, tag, punch, reversal, tag, set up next joke, tag, tag. I was like, holy shit. Like, that's when I started really studying, like, how important writing was. And then it was like, and like, Greg Giraldo was a master of that. Where, like, Nick DiPaolo was a monster. Um, and uh, Lisa Lampanelli was just coming in and, just murdering like sections of like and you, people couldn't believe what she was saying you know um so i was uh that was when i first was like oh, that was when i was you know that was like the school i went to of comedy of just like holy shit that was a that was a great time to be alive for comedy uh for me at least because i was really given a lot of lessons like firsthand that's a that's a pretty cool era to to come up in and uh i just want to share a little bit because we've watched some of your comedy i'm gonna we're gonna share some here in just a moment but 
one thing that you've kept true to is you still play in those in those edge like the stereo you're not afraid to hit stereotypes and and to go edgier uh which which i admire you for and of course you keep things very punchy very fast and very punchy so it's a it's a it, like you mentioned it's not a style that we see as much any as much today but it's very good it's very crisp and it's uh and I like that you're still taking those risks and chances on Sage. Thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, I think that like some people could tell really good stories. I've never been a good storyteller, you know. Um, I think some people like you look at Bert Kreischer and you're like, wow, that guy can tell a fucking story and a half, you know, like, and you're like, wow. But then other people, and not to shit on them, but it's not like they're great storytellers. Just they're like lazy editors, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> like, like, like this story is five minutes. It should be a minute and a half. Right. If it was a minute and a half, it would be a killer fucking story. Right. Uh, but because it was like, we, it's just it's just too much, too many details. Like, you know, like when I coach people, sometimes I, like, I'll coach comics and I'm like, okay, why are we, why do we need this information? Like, is this, do we need this? Like, great. Like, these four, like when I, when I was growing up, it was like, yeah, I hate, I, hate, I hate to say it, but it was like, okay, three sentences max before you get to a punchline. And then it was like jokes per minute were really important. And uh, especially like I used to look, I used to be like, you know, I'd say I was a good looking guy, but I would go up there and, and people were not like, people didn't like me a lot of times. Cause I was like, I reminded them of like, it's like I had like hot girl syndrome when I was younger where like hot kick goes up and you're like, the girls hate that girl because she's the one that the guy wants to fuck. And then the guy hate the girl because the guy can't fuck her, you know? So she has to be like extra funny. And if she could be extra funny, She's whatever. And back in the day when I was all fucking jacked and stripping and, you know, tan, I'm like, well, I got to be the funniest motherfucker on stage. And by doing that, I have to have the most punchlines. Um, if they're not going to like me, it's not because of a lack of jokes. Um, and then also, I think it was, uh, I, think it was I forgot the girl's name, um, but she had a really good, I was doing Gladys' comedy room. And she said that, like, you get to a point in comedy where, the writing is strong that even if you're not there, if you're mentally not there, you still can kill um, mm. because the writing is that strong. And I think so many people, they have to depend on whether or not they're present. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, it's important to be present, but sometimes you can't be present. Maybe you found out your wife's pregnant or your fucking grandma died or this happened or you just got dumped or you're fighting with this person or whatever, the, or you didn't get this audition or you, whatever the fuck it is, you're not in the moment. Well, you have to count on the jokes being strong enough where you're not there, but you're still getting laughed. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's super important, I think, um, for comics because a lot of times, like, yeah, people will kill because they're in the moment, but when you're not in the moment because you're a human being and some shit's going on, you still got to deliver. That's a that's a good point too. Uh, as a host or as somebody that's running a show, there's you're gonna be dealing with bullshit all the way up until you get on stage. You know, dealing with, with people coming in the room, whatever it is that you got to deal with. So you're right. You have to have jokes that are strong enough to do it. But I do want to share something. I'm going to share your clip right now um, on the backside of this comment. Um, you stay very present. Uh, I watched a lot of your material. You're always crowd working. Uh, or it seems to be at least that's the clips you post. I mean, maybe that's why you post them because they're crowd work moments. But you're but you're certainly willing to do it. Uh, and uh, and then you, and you bring it into the bits. And I, I do something very Drew and I, I think, are, are you know, working on doing things very similar to that. Um, so you do seem to, at least unless you have life shit going on, it seems like you do stay pretty present in the room. 
Yeah, you know, I, I you know, try to, you know, especially if people have seen me, you know, like some of the people I hate when people are like, hey, you're so funny, I'll come back tomorrow. You're like, I'm letting them down. Right away, I'm letting them down because it's like, I feel like the magician whose illusions are like, you know, and, um, and you know, on cruises, you know, if you want to work on a cruise ship, which, you know, look, there's like pluses and negatives, you know, the negatives, oh, you're a cruise comic. The positive is like, yeah, you're making three times as much as you made in a club and you get to go to the Bahamas and Jamaica and and, and all the time. And you also get like five hours of stage time, you know, but if you really want to work a lot, you have to do five different 30 minute sets because the same crowd comes back. So then you're like, well, how do I do five 30 minutes? Especially if you're like me and you have jokes, you know, it's like, so a lot of that is like, okay, messing with the crowd is just saved my ass so many times. Like, I think Rich Voss had a really good, I read it something he said, he goes, being a good comic's like being a good point card, a a good point guard. Like you can't have one move. Like if you have one move, you're not gonna be a good point guard in the NBA. They're gonna figure out your fucking move. So it's a matter of adapting. I mean, you're on stage, it's like Mayweather was like, was notorious for giving away the first three rounds, figuring out (laughs) what he needs to do and beating you the next nine rounds. Well, you know, as a comic sometimes, okay, you're up there, all right, you know, your jokes aren't working. All right, the, um, like, the dirty stuff, the old try dirty stuff. All right, I'll try personal stuff. All right, that's not working. Okay, I'll try crowd work. Oh, the crowd work's working. Okay, the crowd work's working, then get it back in the jokes. They think it's crowd work. You know, so, especially if you're doing 45 to an hour, you know, because um, there's so many times that, as a comic, you know, you could blame, oh, the crowd sucked, or the opener, the feature did crowd work, or the creature was too dirty, or, or um, you know, always give yourself an excuse for why you didn't kill. Oh, it was, it was, it was COVID or people wearing masks, whatever it is. Right. But the bottom line is like, I know as soon as those thoughts get in my head, I'm going to be on the ride home blaming myself. I can, I can call up all my friends and they'll tell me what I want to hear. Oh, well, uh, they're Mormons or, Oh, why do you do those rooms? Or, Oh, those people aren't for you. Oh, you know, Oh, that's, it was a early show. They were older, but at the end of the day, it's my responsibility to make them laugh. Like I've always been like, and maybe that's hurt me in my career because I know other people that like just want to make their fucking niche laugh and it's worked for them. Like alternative comics, for example. Um, but you know, my thing is like, if you're paying $25 to get in or $30 or whatever you paid, I have a responsibility to make you laugh and to give it my best shot and to not whip out my microphone or whip out my, my notebook and Hey, uh, Hey, or what do you guys want to talk about? Or, that, that's that's yeah. not, that's not my job. Uh, that's not, I'm not doing the best I can, you know, and, and mm-hmm. figuring out what it is that it's just, it's just figuring it out, man. And, you know, I, 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 I used to wrestle and I remember that like I'd wrestle a guy who's like bigger, stronger, faster, but I got to find the one weakness, you know, like, okay, maybe it's the lowest single or maybe it's the low ankle pick or maybe he's terrible on top or it's my job to figure out what I'm better at him is and to exploit that. And, as a comic, I feel like same with the crowd, you know, like your job is to figure out what works. And then once you fucking figure that out, because I mean, I do comedy where like 10 minutes have been terrible. And then I get the crowd back and then all of a sudden less. And you've all, I've been up with them where like the first 20 minutes went great. And then, you know, or even on a seven minute set, the first two minutes. So, you know, it's just a matter of like what and, uh, and how you deal with like, I mean, I, 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 I have friends who are like headliners, but 
if the crowd says something like you're fat or 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 you're single or it just throws them for a fucking loop you know and um you know your job is to not be thrown for a loop so. yeah I'm going to go ahead. I've got, if it's okay, I got a one minute clip. I'm going to play of your, it has a couple jokes and it has a little bit of crowd work. I think it's a great clip that represents your comedy, something pretty recent. So I'm going to play that. Is that all right? Sure, please, please do. <laughs> My wife and I recently moved, and you can find all the sexual predators in a certain area if you move there. So you put in our current residence, there's 147 sexual predators in a one block radius. I was like, baby, we got to leave this church. <laughs> She's cute too. Where did you guys meet? Right here. Right here at the fucking comedy club? Alright. Are you Indian, miss? You're like, you're Trinidadian. During sex, you're like, who's your Trinidadian? And you're gonna start doing that? Fuck yeah. residuals on that one. My wife is Christian and I'm Jewish, and she got our baby a teddy bear that says the Lord's Prayer. So I got her one that complains it's too expensive. <laughs> Parents do not buy your kids lots of toys. Make them play with the same toy over and over. They'll get them ready for marriage. <laughs> I love being married. Being married is like eating the same food the rest of your life, you know? <laughs> Look, I love lobster, but once in a while, you're gonna want a Trinidadian chick. You know? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's fun. That, yeah, it's great to... I love that when a, when a comic brings the room into a joke, it's just like, it just brings it all together. It makes it all connect. It shows that you're in a live comedy setting. This is not Netflix where you're just passively watching. This is a live comedy experience where the people are affecting the show. And I think that's like the most fun comedy uh, environment. Yeah, no, I had a show last week where the owner of the club took the microphone in the middle of the set and made an announcement that there was a DUI checkpoint down there and everyone should leave that way. And then I did like 20, I did like 20 minutes on like, and it was like the best part of the show. I couldn't even follow that situation. It was the most ridiculous situation I've ever, I mean, I had, I, I did a wedding. If you look up comedian attacked at a wedding, <laughs> I saw uh, that. some guy attacked me at a wedding. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those are uh, I, sometimes my favorite parts of like things that you're, exactly right like why you should come out to a show obviously you don't want to come out to a show because you know there's going to be something insane that happens every time but um there's something very real about it like ian bag is one of my favorite comics because there's nobody that does better crowd work than him like every show is unique and different with that guy like every single show i'll watch because i don't know what's going to happen you know and um yeah to me that's it's like it's like exciting I mean, not, not that you want like a, an improv show every night, but at the same time, there's something really cool about that, you know? That's true. And a lot of the biggest comedy fans are comics and you, you've effectively become a comics comic. There's nothing better to, to know that people are there to watch you, you know, your, your peers, because uh, they never know what's going to happen. I, I agree with yeah. that. Before we, I know we were running close to the to our time limit, but I do want to talk a little bit about the fact that you have the the MMA podcast, and because you're a wrestler, and that's kind of your history, and you're you're I'm a super MMA UFC fan as well, and uh, that's that's to talk a little bit about how what that's done for your career, what's that's what's that's done for you, and how you kind of came up with that whole idea. That was crazy. I was. 
me, I was opening up for John Heffron on the road, and uh, he, he, he won last comic standing, and uh, he was, he got tapped to host the MMA awards, so he had me write a bunch of sketches for him, and uh, wrote a bunch of sketches that did really well, um, like me, him, and this guy Joey Varner, we wrote like a Dear Vandy, like a Vanderlei Silva as a giving life <laughs> advice, and ran into a divorce attorney to get divorced at the time. <laughs> and then I ran into, I ran into Dana White at, at a casino and Dana and I hit it off really well. And I pitched Dana a show about like where I would drive around in a truck. There's an octagon in the back of the truck. People could sign up to fight the guy uh, called So You Think You're a Tough Guy. And um, Dana was like, we're not, we can't do that show for legal purposes, but yeah. um, I want to do like a Tosh.0 where I hire you to write jokes about fighters to like about this week in MMA. So for like three, four years, I worked for the UFC, but like undercover where they, I would make jokes about fighters. And then that my Twitter handle blew up. Like it's up over like a hundred thousand followers now called MMA roasted and fighters uh, would be like, and then to the point where it was so ridiculous. Like the UFC called me in one time, like, hey, we want to give you a job. I'm like, I already work here. And I'm like, Mark, I'm like, yeah, I've been working here longer than you have. So anyway, so then that, that led to a job with Fox Sports where I would pretend I was fighters texting each other during fights. It was called text from last fight. Um, and that was like a fake group text that like, and then uh, they picked up my podcast. And then since then, I've been writing the MMA awards for like 12 years, 13 years. I wrote the Daniel Cormier all about the cake and chicken where he's dancing the cake and chicken. Um, um <laughs> I, I wrote like uh, Hello from the Askren side, like from Ben Askren singing. <laughs> I wrote to Henry Cejudo instead of wet ass pussy, cringe ass Henry. Um, <laughs> so I wrote like, I don't know, like, like hundreds, like not hundreds, but a lot of sketches that kind of, that, that went viral in the big in the MMA world. Um, and then uh, the UFC called me, Dana called me, he's like, I want to produce your comedy special. So he produced my special at the Apex two years ago. It's on nice. Fight Pass. It went really well. It was hard. Everyone was wearing masks, and the guy in the front was like Mike Perry with his pregnant girlfriend. Like that was crazy. Uh, um, but then since then, I that's did his two corner more girl. <laughs> I did two more specials with them, where called MMA Comedy Jam, where I teach the fighters that. how to tell jokes, and then the fighters tell jokes. So the the UFC, uh, UFC Comedy Jam two is coming out, uh, like next week. Uh, I saw the final version. It looks really good, and um, I'm still writing the MMA awards and. Uh, I, I worked for the PFL for a while. I worked for Bellator. I wrote like the history of Fedor's sweater um, that did really well. Uh, and, um, yeah, you know, it's 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 a it's a fun gig. I mean, there's definitely like times where I'm like, it's just a lot. You know, like I live tweet all the fights and between like trying to like I'm happy this Saturday because the fights are at like noon when I go to Texas. Yeah. That's that's kind of cool. It's hard when I'm like. You know, trying to think about my jokes, and I'm, there's a fight going on. And I remember one time, my, my training partner, I was Dan Hardy's wrestling coach, and he no was way. fighting GSP, and um, <laughs> and the fight was on in the back of the room, and I'm like on stage trying to watch the fight while I'm doing literally like, you know. So, it's, but the fighters are super supportive. They come to my shows, um, and I think a couple guys are coming out in Houston this week. Uh, I know, like the main girl, uh, my friend Lauren Murphy. She's fighting Nisha Tate on Saturday, so she's upset. Oh, she, wow. she trains in Houston, but a couple other fighters are coming, um, which is cool. And uh, I love it. You know, I, I I I still coach wrestling. Me and Aldo. Um, I've had UFC guys come and like guest coach. I've had Olympians come and help coach uh, my team. You know, and uh, it's awesome. You know, I 
it, it definitely keeps me grounded, keeps me humble. The, the sport changed my life. The sport saved my life. I was, I was a troubled kid. I had, my, you know, my mom left when I was a kid. My dad was, you know, a drug addict, a gambling addict, and and, uh, and wrestling was the one thing I felt good about all through high school, and and it helped me like. I wouldn't be a comic if it wasn't for wrestling. There's so many similarities, you know, I wouldn't believe in myself. So I try to give back to the kids and I take my daughter to practice. And it's uh, my best friend, uh, coaches with me, you know. And look, I, I may not have, uh, you know, the mansion and I may not have uh, the Netflix special, but I, I think I'm like, I get to do what I love for a living. You know, I got a great wife, I got a great kid, I got great friends and, and, I, and I get to coach wrestling, you know. and. Uh, which is what I want to do anyway. So it's kind of a perfect storm of like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like very blessed. So. Yeah. That's gets, awesome. We get to do, if you do it right in comedy, you get to do what you want and do what you love. And that's, that's what it's all about. Let me, uh, let me put a bow on this, uh, Adam. Let me go ahead and do our last segment. It's called last laugh. Let me play a quick graphic. So weird, uh, but the last segment is very simple, dude. Uh, what would what would be the joke that you want on your tombstone? It could be your joke. It could be one of your heroes, one of somebody, one of your friends. What's the joke uh, that you're talking about? My I guess my therapist told me to live every day like it's my last, and uh, now I have really bad credit. <laughs> perfect tombstone joke right there it is well listen uh if you're hearing this live or if you're hearing this like in the next day we, we got adam coming down to the right in houston houston texas the right hdx.com uh where, where else can people find you online adam uh adam hunter comedy.com if you're on instagram just adam comedian uh if anybody comic that like listen to this have any questions i'll i'll i'm not gonna watch your set but I'll, answer, <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll answer any questions. So. Awesome. Dude, thanks so much for doing it. Appreciate you uh, working us in your schedule. Have a blast at the riot this weekend. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing uh, the MMA uh, comedy special coming out uh, next week. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website BreakingDownBits.com or shoot us an email at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com.